Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 24 of the World Toppers podcast. I am Shayan, and I am here with my co-hosts, Altantina and Nalana, as well as special guest from the 17th Shard, Evgeny, also known as Argent on the internet. Hello there, Alfonsina here, and welcome, Argent. Yeah, welcome. We're happy to have you. Yeah, of course. Uh, Hello. Hi. Hi. Hello. (laughs) Greetings. Well met. Today, we're going to be discussing the most recent and final Era 2 book, uh, The Lost Metal. And by necessity, this is going to be a full spoiler episode for everything else published in the Cosmere all the way until Rhythm of War. So Rhythm of War, Lost Metal, and everything before that. So, unfortunately, Ilana had a hard um, cut-off time because she had family stuff to do, but uh, the three of us are going to continue, and we were already kind of on the Wayne topic before we got on the Southerners tangent, so I, I'm, I'm curious, and I'll, you can start because you like Wayne so much. Uh, what did you think about Wayne's arc, this book, and where he ended? Well... Um, there's this thing that a friend of mine always talk about. It's actually the friend that introduced me to Brandon Sanderson, who told me when all of my friends were saying, you have to read the wise man fears. No, uh, you have to read the name of the wind, Alfonsina. Um, this friend was like, I mean, sure, read the, the name of the wind if you want. But I think, I think you should read the way of kings instead. And oh I said, God. why? And he said, because. And that was enough. So I instead grabbed the the way of kings and everything started. And he's always talking about El Camino del Héroe as a concept mm-hmm. in literature. Please, Che, help me in here because El Camino um, del Héroe is the hero's Spanish. journey. Yes, that's kind of a concept in literature in fantasy, mm-hmm. yeah. right? So Joseph Campbell. I'm not Good proficient. Old Joseph. Right, I'm not proficient in literature. I am a chemist, but uh, having read. A few books and understanding what my friend keeps talking about, I think that what we see here with Wayne is a clear example of the way of the hero because um, my friend always emphasizes that the, the, the path of the hero has to end on the hero dying for a greater cause. So uh, maybe I got the concept wrong. I mean, you, you go ahead and, and fill in my gaps. Of knowledge please do but thinking of that i was like when whenever i read that wayne died i was fooled by the prologue and all the foreshadowing that he was gonna die that was absolutely there i was blinded or maybe in denial because he is one of my top three characters in the cosmere but when i saw that uh there was this lerasium in the mysterious um vial i was like oh oh so we are in this situation with Wayne and we have had this prologue about the the story that his ma told him. So he's going to die mm-hmm. now. He's going to die now. Okay. And the hero, because he actually, I think he actually mentioned the hero, the hero, the hero of the stories mm-hmm. through the book. So I think that we see this, this very long introduction was to say that I think we see a bit of the path of the hero in this book for him in which he has to realize that i mean it's not overly developed right that he has to realize about his flaws about his virtues and that he can like 
live with both of his uh, disadvantages and advantages as, as a human being, but he has to accept the failures and take acknowledgement of his abilities and use them to, to do the greater good at the end of the story. So I wonder when I started this book like three days ago, because I marathoned my way through it, I was like, hmm, weird that we get a Wayne prologue for this. I didn't expect that. But that kind of shaped the, the whole arc of Wayne, Wayne's character mm -hmm. through this book. That he had to go through all of those things that this hero in his mass stories went through in order to become the hero and then die and feel at peace with his life. So as a closure for him, I think it was weird. I wasn't expecting that he died. I wanted to see him in the Cosmere again. I think it made sense. I think it was a very... I, I'm, I'm afraid to say the word honorable death because of the way that the word honorable has in this context. But it was a, a, a the death of, of a martyr and it wasn't expected for me because I felt like Wax Siglium was going to get that role in this era too. And I think that he keeps feeling like this sadness, this depression, because after he went through his inability to hold a gun because of his trauma, he, after shooting Telsin, he went through that and is now faced with the thing that he's been trying to dodge that he had in his heart. And I don't know, it felt kind of abrupt to me to read all of that sadness from him, all of that misery, all of that journey to walk so fast. But I guess I'm happy to see that one of my favorite characters got to die again as a hero because yes, I had to watch my other favorite character die as a hero as well. But fortunately he came back in a super cool way, which is what I'm all about. I'm talking about Kelsier, right? So. Um, I don't know. I'm going to miss him. This was very, very harsh on me. I did not like that he died. But I like the way he died. And, and Argent made a very interesting point about probably for the future era, most of the characters will be dead. And I got, we all get to see Wayne dying in a super cool way, making the biggest explosion that a man has ever made because he was not a shard bearer or well shard bearer is a polemic uh vessel. term but yeah he was not a vessel he was not like a super entity he was just a, a man maybe a misborn for just a very brief little while with a few hemolurgic spikes i think it was only one but yeah he he blew himself up and saved everyone so that feels accurate for him like the decision felt felt rightly made to kill him but it was very sad still for me 
So yeah, I cannot be very objective with this topic, you guys. Come on, I cried a lot. I cried so much when I read this. It was super yeah, sad. I know, it was funny for me when you said earlier in the chat yesterday, like, if Wayne dies this book, I'm going to quit my job and <laughs> cry. I'm going to throw like, a tantrum and I'm going to quit my job. And right after I read it, I just was not able to speak English anymore. I kept sending reactions in Spanish in the Discord because my part of my brain that reads Branderson books shut down. <laughs> so the English brain shut down. And I somehow made it come back again and survive through that event to be here. <laughs> it's a it's a good death. At the end mm -hmm. of the day it's a good like if you if, if you're gonna have a character go there are much worse ways to send them out, right? Um, yeah, and, and this it's, has to train us for Adolin's death, which is coming. Which Adolin is not going to die. He's going to die. He's, He's gonna not die. going to die so soon. He's but okay, that's another debate that we've probably had on Stormlight yeah, episodes. Just even don't worry if you're, right if you're listening to this. He, he hasn't died yet. It's not like an unpublished shit or something. He's, this is just my prediction ever since Words of Radiance that he's so going to die soon. I don't know. He's going to die by book five, in my opinion. And it's going to be heartbreaking, but we're going to be ready for that. We, I was not ready for Wayne's death. I know a lot of people said that his arc, this book was kind of sudden in terms of like that depression and feeling that he's not worth it. But I think it's always kind of been there in the background in the way that Brandon was aware of it. And Brandon wasn't like, oh, well, now we need to redeem Wayne. No, he was always planning this. Well, from the moment this turned into a larger series, I mean, because there is a lot of. I mean, there are a lot of hints for this in earlier books, and it's also been six years since uh, Bands of Mourning, where he's had to deal with the whole gun thing, and we see that he's dealt with the Ronette thing, and that mm. both Ronette and Jaxie have helped him through that. And this just makes it come to the forefront. Yes, it was a bit much in terms of the foreshadowing department, where a lot of people like, caught it early. And uh, this comparison, well, this parallel with his mother's story. But I think this was always planned. Like, it was always coming. And Wayne, I mean, Brandon was aware of these flaws that Wayne has. And Lost Metal was, honestly, in my opinion, more of Wayne's book than it was Wax's. Even if, yes. proportionally, we might have not gotten as many of his points of views as in other books, because we have more Marasti POVs and more Steris POVs in this book. I'm not sure on those statistics, I'd have to check. But, I mean, Wayne hasn't had this big sweeping character arc in the other books. This, I mean, was his his book to shine, just like book three was Steris's, even if we didn't get that much of her. And Marasti has also uh, had her arc during the series. Because he's a series, support so. to mm -hmm. the core He's the support to this. Like, I, I keep ma making this D&D &D or anime references, but right now I'm going to make this D&D &D reference. He's kind of like a bard, a weird sort of a bard, because he's a bard with, with, <laughs> with strength that can kick your ass out. But um, he, he's got the ability to talk, the, talk his way and, and the way of his team out of very difficult situations. As, and we see him do that through a lot of different scenarios in this book 
And he's got something about Wayne that I want to talk about is he's got a very particular wisdom. You know, I, as a D&D player, I enjoy a lot when people play a certain like ability or mm-hmm. attribute in an innovative manner because Wayne has wisdom. For example, and in Dungeons and Dragons, wisdom is like kind of the ability to discern stuff, to realize stuff that are happening, is insight, is perception. And Wayne looks like an idiot when you read really fast the story, but he is a very wise character. Like he makes some very, very wise remarks, such as when he re- when he's thinking about stories of people trying to change the future by changing the past traveling to the past and he's like you can change the future if you change your present you don't need to go to the past that's such a simple and elegant reasoning and it's made through wisdom and he's got the wisdom to see the insect to see what the people in front of him is going through and he can combine that wisdom with the charisma to get through the people and talk to the people and make them empathic to him and and he can convince people to to act the way that he needs them to act so there are many layers to why i consider wayne my favorite character it's not just because he's funny because i find him funny even if that humor is questionable in the in the fandom and i know it but even if there's the humor thing there's the wisdom there's the charisma and yeah he's very competent too with he's like a specialist with his with his um, allomantic ability with Vendeloy. He showed that now in this book. But, well, every misting has that attribute of being super awesome at his power. And he's a misting allomantic. Not as much as Wayne is, though. I think so. I mean, what what Breeze managed to do in Era 1... Yeah, but I mean, what it's also come on, spook make things. No, no, that was not Vendeloy, but what the specialist, every specialist we saw in Era One managed to do was fabulous. And yeah, I think that's that's reasonable that if you have a specialist, uh, someone who who, who trains in only one metal, they are awesome at that. Um, There was a lot of Wayne in this book. I did not expect him to be the hero of the story because that was kind of Waxilium's role. But I think it was well managed because him being sad in the way that we see in this book, even if it felt abrupt and new, it makes sense if you think about mm-hmm. his mechanisms. He he doesn't have like the wisdom to think things consciously. He just instinctively realizes how stuff are. I think he's a more a more complex character that most people would think on a first read, especially if you find the humor annoying or offensive, which is a thing that can happen, and I I understand that, and I accept that. It's not a humor for everyone. He sometimes is kind of just uh, nasty. <laughs> and and sometimes I have a like, come on, dude, stop it already. But yeah, still. I think it would be interesting to go through the book again and try to compare the... so. A lot of the book is framed through Wayne perceiving events in the light of the story that his mother told mm-hmm. him, right? And so he does that assuming that Wax is the hero. And so he draws a parallel between what Wax does in real life to the events that Alomancer Jack does in the story. 
I think it would be interesting to read the book and try to frame Wayne's actions as the actions of the hero and see how they... So, for example, the most obvious example is at the very end, right? Because that's also in the book. Uh, that is also in the Lost Land. Where Wayne's like, oh, Jack went down the beast's belly and choked it from the inside. And that's what Wayne does, right? He is in the belly mm -hmm. of this iron metal ship and he destroys the ship from the inside. But it's interesting to go back and look at the other trials that Jack went through and go, oh, how is Wayne similar to Jack in those instances? Yeah, that would be really interesting. He's kind of going through this, those stages of the trial through Wex because he, at the time that, that you see him going through the previous faces, he's not thinking, I am the hero, I have to do this or that. He's like, no, Wax, you have to do this or that. And he supports him so that he can fulfill his supposed goal. You know what's funny? I find it funny. I have just now realized that there's kind of a turnaround of the concept of the hero in Era 1 as well, a very obvious one, with Vin thinking, I mm -hmm. am the hero of ages, I have to do such a thing and this or that, blah, blah, blah. And in the end of the story, the hero of ages was not Vin. It was Seisel, who was also kind of a support. So I guess that we have another parallel in here. I think, I think that maybe the turnaround of the concept of the hero is not as strong in here as it was in Era 1, because in Era 1, Seisel went through so much. And if you reread the saga, I have reread Era 1 like three times, no, two times, like the first and two more. And the hints that Seisel was going to make it are there from the beginning. But he started out as a supporting character, like someone who stands for this big, important figure, but by the side. And not in the central spot of the scenario, not under the spotlight, but by the side. And plot twist, it's an, it, that this character ends up being the, the one doing this Asanya um, big Thing. Yeah, now our translation is... Ascension? Feet. No, ascension... Accomplishment. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. The accomplishment, that's the word. The big accomplishment is made by Seisel in the end. Not, I'm not trying to like diminish what Vin or Waxilium in this case did through the books because that was huge as, as rusting as well. But the final saving of the whole city or the whole world, that was made that's by, by Wayne and Cecil, respectively. Wanna, wanna hear something else that's cool? Mm -hmm. So we, we drew a parallel between Wax and Vin earlier, and mm -hmm. you did it now again, right? When we talked about the ascending the Shaw and, and being the sword or the knife. The parallel between Wayne and Cezed doesn't end with just, oh, this is the hero, parentheses, of ages. Um, it also extends to Wayne being a literal stand-in for Seizet in the end, wearing yeah. God's oh, own the hat. hat. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. yeah I love so that you can song. you can have a lot of fun with, with that. Uh, if you're doing literary analysis, you can also go, well, Seizet was always meant to be kind of a, not a side character, but a character who stands on the side. And a lot of the problems that come from the Well of Ascension, and also Hero of Ages, come from him stepping forward as the, and I'm going to get the terminology wrong because it changes in prophecies, but the first holy announcer, right? So Ruin changes the prophecies so they fit Seizet better and he embraces kind of his role in this 
much like mm-hmm. Quan embraced the role back in back in his age, and Seizad stepping away from kind of the path that he was on, which was him kind of standing on the side and jumping into the spotlight causes problems because they don't realize a lot of what's happening in the background and how ruin is changing the prophecies and things like that. So you can, you have a lot of fun with, with like drawing parallels in, in these things. Even if both of them were very different, both of them were very proficient at listening to the people they had in front even if they didn't have the person actually in front of them. Because, for mm-hmm. example, when there's this Toba-Copper guy situation, Wayne wears his hat, looks at the apartment, and he just realizes things about this person that has already died. That's pure wisdom in D&D mechanics. And say said, he had this gigantic insane amount of knowledge about religions and he was able to just spit you the right one you needed whenever you were speaking with him and that's why he says it felt like such a good ear to have whenever each of the characters from everyone had a problem they went and they reach out to say which is also why it is so strong that he gets this religious crisis right um, mm-hmm. It's not as strong as as Wayne feeling like he's useless, like he's no one because he's all these many people. But I think there's there are a lot of similarities around this. And well, uh, sadly, Wayne did not make it to survive through the rest of the Cosmere and says it did because he's rusting harmony. Mean, harmony. Who knows now. how much longer he's gonna survive? We'll get into that. Oh, talking um. about says it. Do you think that says it is still says it? We'll get to that because that's a long conversation. I mean, there's a reason there's a whole shortcast episode on that mm. um, with the whole harmony and discord thing. Maybe the question was um, harmony is still said by the end of era two? It's complicated. Um, no, but I was going to say that those parallels are, I think, a symptom of a larger theme that Brandon is exploring in uh, Mistborn in particular. But I, you see it in a lot of his works. And I am looking forward to seeing how he's going to explore it in the future with your three, with more of Stormlight, anything else. Oh, and I loved seeing him by Marassi's side. He's such a good support. He can support every character because even if I don't like Waxillium, that fight at the end with the copies, with the fake Waxillium and the fake Wayne, that was delicious. That was the thing that caught me when I read Ole, Alloy of Law. I I love that fight. It was very enjoyable for me. You did not we'll change. We'll get to the double dummies later, or the double dummies. You want to call them? I have so much to complain with those two. <laughs> but um, we talked a lot about his arc. But I did want to focus on the atonements that he makes with Renette and with Eliandra, or mm-hmm. however you pronounce her name. Um, Isn't that the name of the Queen of Gelden? In different but really close i think because, the spelling is different <laughs> i was reading that name the name of the woman that that yeah, had that, that a Wayne shot and, blah, blah. and i was like am i reading the wheel of time again <laughs> what is this the r is in a different place but the name is similar um hmm. no but with Renette, I, I really liked that scene in the restaurant with Renette and with Jaxie. Yeah. And it was short and we, like Wayne was still obviously suffering from the breakup with Milan. But I really liked that he managed to not only like let Renette go, but 
build a new friendship with her completely independently from everything that had happened before and that he can get along with her and that can be respectful and understand. I don't know. I really like that scene uh, in the restaurant. Thank God he had that atonement oh, yeah. scene because he was disgusting with Renet before. That was purely disgusting. Yeah, uh, you're not wrong. Um, what I what I do like about that scene is actually less about Wayne and more about the way Renet and Jaxie interact with him, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because what we see there is he is kind of he's not exactly pouring his heart out to them, uh, but like he's clearly there in need of support, right? Because of mm. the breakup that happened like 15 minutes ago, and Renet is having none of it. Right. She she has known Wayne for, you know, a couple of decades or however long it is. And she's just like, oh, that's Wayne being Wayne. He's going to get over it, whatever. And Jaxie is being super sympathetic, right? In part because she doesn't have this kind of long history uh, with Wayne and especially long, not antagonistic history, right? But from Renette's perspective, for many of these 20 or so years, Wayne has been kind of an ass to her, right? And so mm -hmm. it it's yeah. completely understandable she that she is not super enthusiastic about showing sympathy, right? But yeah, it's a breakup. Get over it. It's yeah, I know it sucks, but you'll be fine. And then it takes kind of the combination of the two of them, of Jaxie being like willing and wanting to understand what Wayne is going through and like explain things in a new way so that he might uh, so that he might see himself in a different light combined with Renette kind of always being straight with him mm -hmm. and, and like not sugarcoating anything so that he walks out of this meeting with kind of this, this newfound belief and understanding that oh, I've been kind of really bad to this girl. And so that's coming from the Renette side of things. And I can do something to fix that. And that's coming from the Jaxie side of things. And I and I think you needed both of them mm -hmm. in that situation, right? Yeah. yeah, for sure. And I mean, that leads to the end of the book. And I'm so glad that Wayne finally understands that he doesn't have to go in person and he'd already made the decision not to go in person before he died and i think that's important yes that regardless of what had what was going to happen aleandro would have wouldn't have received the payment from wayne in person and he understands that he's making her in some way like suffer every month he shows up but that he's also making himself suffer by like putting himself through this every single month it was a very um, selfless of decision. Of kind of false. Selfless, duty, no. Uh, uh, selfish. Sorry, I meant selfish. Yeah. Yeah. Going mm -hmm. to. Yeah, selfless was the very opposite of what I meant. No, uh, he was being selfish. He was being like, I have to pay for my sin or my mistake. And it's not all about him. All about him, not thinking at all about the poor person that lost a loved one in front of him having to to think oh the guy who killed my father hi money fortunately he got to grow through that but at the same time mm -hmm. i think it was very uh realistic to portray a very wise person being very neglecting of issues that involve oneself 
Like I have seen in my life a lot of people that I consider very extremely wise and people that I admire a lot being utter fools when it comes to their own uh, things. People dealing with stuff that you are like, hey, mate, if if it was me, the, the person dealing with that, you'd be saying me like the the piece of knowledge that I needed to know, the piece of wisdom that I needed to hear. And when it's you, you you're not being able to, to, to discern what you have to do, what you're doing wrong, what you're doing right, what you could improve. I think that's a very common thing to see. I, at least in my case, I've known several people with this affliction of wisdom for the outside, but not for the inside. And it comes from someone who is not able to look inside, but who is very proficient at looking outside, such as this character. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I have one more thing that was shocking to me. But it was this yeah. Wayne thing was shocking to me because I was like, wow, Brandon Sanderson wrote this. Mamma mia. And it was a part in which um, Wayne mentions that he had been reading a story to Max the the mm-hmm. kid waxilium's son and mm-hmm. wax is like hey why were you reading such an aggressive and violent story to my kid that's not proper for a i don't know five six five seven year, year old. old for a five-year-old that's not proper wayne and wayne is like oh but if it's religious it's not violent <sighs> and that was like i mean i agree because five-year-old me did not need to know about the crucifixion 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 yeah. is that the word mm-hmm. about the yeah. crucifixion details i mean you can know about the like sacrifice and blah 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 but the the gruesome bloody details five-year-old me didn't need to know and i was like this coming from brandon sanderson who is openly a religious man that was shocking um i don't know what you think about it but that was like wow <laughs> for yeah, me i think that's just a wayne thing yeah, but Wayne doesn't exist. So He's just a character that Branderson created. So is Yasna, who was yeah, so a remarkable Yasna, atheist, atheist, right? So yeah, that, that just escapes of my mind how he managed to create Shasna. It's, I mean, it, it's just part of like being a good author, like putting yourself in others' perspectives, even if those perspectives are are different from yours, and like. Authors do this all the time with, you know, soldiers and murderers and things like that. And so it's not unreasonable to expect that they should be able to do this when it comes to, like, core, like, moral, religious beliefs. But it's just rarely done. And and so mm-hmm. it stands out more when it is done and it is done well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, of course, it made a, a, a ton, lot of sense to, to read that coming from Wayne, but to objectify that that was not actually Wayne, because Wayne doesn't exist, but that was written by Branderson. I was like, wow. But yeah, Shasna is harder to acknowledge, because Shasna's um, opinions coming from a religious man are just, I don't know, mm. It's one of the things Brandon talks about, that part of the reason he writes is to explore perspectives that aren't his own. Yeah, and we love him and admire him because of that. And it's important to to keep in mind that none of the characters that he writes 
completely represent his beliefs, right? And, and so there are things that Yasna says that he, as a religious man, agrees with. And, I, and I'm sure there are flaws that he sees either in his religion or like the church around his religion. But at the end of the day, it is my belief, it is my understanding that Brandon views religion as a personal experience. And so even if he doesn't fully agree with whatever figure of authority he goes to every Sunday morning or whatever, that's just a problem with a flawed world. It's not a problem with, like, to, to him, in his heart, he believes certain things. And that is what defines religion for him. And so he can, like, abstract away all of the other stuff a little more easily. That was great. Oh, I would love to have Ilana right now. <laughs> yeah. She's exactly our religion kind expert. Of conversation Ilana would enjoy. And yeah, moving on to some a different uh, part of my net. I have to say that him inventing organized sports and that whole scene with the accountants was absolute gold. Again. Pun not intended when I wrote that note. But I wisdom. can absolutely see it now. The wisdom that he had to run his uh, finances, that was... I know, I think that those uh, financial decisions are less because he was conscious of, oh, this is a good investment. This is bad. It's more just he understands people. And I, I think that's um, evident in what he says regarding anger and rivalries and how that translates to sports teams. So, mm-hmm. but he would never acknowledge that. And I don't think he even did that consciously because he says like, Oh, this noseball idea, it's terrible. Um, he was finally going to go broke now. And it's like, no way. That's not the way organized sports work. If only he would have seen into the future, he would have seen. I mean, right now we are in the football, soccer, however you call that no, sport. in the World uh, Cup. Mm-hmm. World Cup and the amount of money that that single oh event moves. Uh, any last things about Wayne, or shall I just end with this? No, that was it. I cried so much. I will miss him, and I love him, and he is awesome, in my opinion. But that's my opinion. How Ilana, the same way that Ilana says, <laughs> strong statement, and then just closes with, "That's my opinion." <laughs> I will say this was the book I most enjoyed Wayne, out of Certainly. the four of them. Yeah. I'm not I do much of a, a fan of him, but I, uh, this book I liked him. I, I I did like the idea, and I don't know whether that was intentional or it just sparked something in my brain. But I do like the idea that it was the ends of Bands of Morning of him picking up a gun and like shooting Telson that kind of started forcing Wayne to face his past and rethink the way he's been and and rethink what's happened to him, and so over the course of six years that we don't see, unfortunately, although I wish we'd get a little bit of that, like more and more he's being forced to like think about the past. And so he's like, I like to think that his Lost Metal, like it's not fair to call them depressive episodes, but like his Lost Metal more introspective moments are not coming out of nowhere. They're coming, you know, from... Mm -hmm. six years of like more and more introspection that is all caused by 
this one moment of him going back to his past, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I like to yeah, think that, that is this always is how it developed. Been my argument when people bring up this was out of nowhere. I was like, it's been six years, and that moment in bed of mourning was really big. But I, also, I wish we had seen some of that on screen. The the it's argument really is, we we should have seen some of that, right? Because mm-hmm. yeah, it might not come out of nowhere, but it it looks like it comes out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the fact that he didn't like to hold guns and that well, it's it is just barely mentioned. I mean, it is mentioned specifically specifically that he did not like to hold the gun through book one, two, and three, but. Up until, right, like these final moments of the Vance of Morning's book, we don't get to understand how big of a deal it is to hold a gun for him. It's not, the emphasis is not there. And that's why it doesn't feel like it was such a big deal, like what he did at the end of, of the Vance yeah. of, of Morning. Um, the other thing I wish he had more of on screen was his relationship with Milan. But mm. also, like, I understand why she had to go. Yeah, um, that breakup made me sad. Um, especially when she found out that she, that he was dead. Imagine just breaking up with someone and then finding out that that person died. That was kind of harsh. <laughs> Two days later. Um, yeah. Well, I guess I guess she found out like months. Like later. five. I mean, it happened yeah, five months, five days later because the three days inter like between. Yeah, yeah, but like she gets the, the letter months. Later. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. And and she acted so like as if it wasn't that important for her. Like, yeah, this was just a thing. I live like a thousand years, blah blah blah. And then when you read her point of view and why she kind of stepped uh, aside from him, it was very short, but it was very sad for me. That was my personal experience with that chapter, that epilogue of Milan. <laughs> the epilogues are so good. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we will get there. Just one last thing from Alana. Uh, she says, uh, the page-long fart jokes are completely unnecessary. Wayne was so interesting in this mm-hmm. book, but Brandon just can't help himself when it comes to the humor. And mm. I will agree. The humor was better this book, but not there yet. Yeah. And the, the fart jokes were made in two different situations. Like, you were like, mm-hmm. okay, one long, one page long, Part joke moment, okay, but then at the end of the book you get another one, and it's like, oh, okay, farts again, nice, I guess. And uh, do we want to talk about Marasi? Yes, yes. Oh, I wish, I wish I know why Ilana finds Marasi and Alex Roman so not appealing. Yeah, we didn't. <laughs> Very curious about that. But no, I wanted to open uh, our points about Marasi with. Uh, this thing that Drew mentioned on their Inking Out Loud episodes, that it, it clicked in my mind. And it's this quote from Gene Wolfe in the first chapter of Shadow of the Torturer that, in my opinion, uh, describes Marasi's arc really interestingly. And it was a bit mind-blowing when he said it. I was like, oh, wow, yes, this really does apply. Uh, that quote is probably one of the most famous um, Wolfe quotes. And it says, uh, we believe that we invent symbols. The truth is that they invent us. We are their creatures shaped by their hard defining edges. And it goes on and on. And Severian, uh, like we were about symbols and the coins and th- this whole thing that I- I'm not going to get into right now. 
But I think that throughout the series, Marasi has gravitated towards different symbols. In the first book, it was wax and this figure of the lawman. And she kind of hero worshipped him a little bit. And then in the second and third book, it was more this figure of the constable and the responsibilities. And you have her talking about the uniform and what it means to her and what it means to other people around her, like even in this book. And now... Yes, she still sees importance in, like, the job of the constable, and she talks about the uniform and all that, but she's also seeing this whole other side to what, like, she's wanted to do. Like, this, it's this new definition of who she is, and she's like, yes, I'm happy being a constable, but there are also lots of things that I want to accomplish that this job isn't letting me, and that's why in the epilogues we see that she ends up going into politics. And I really like how Marasi's understanding of herself changes throughout the series around these symbols that she gravitates towards. Hmm. I mean, that, that's just a fancy way of, of saying that we are defined by our experiences, right? Mm-hmm. I love that quote from Wolf, Gene uh, Wolf, did you say? Yes, yeah, th- this is Book of the New Sun. <laughs> I'm looking oh, to getting I, back into the series now that I have heard I'm on vacations that. and I have the bandwidth for it. Mm-hmm. I love the quote. Uh, Marasi is awesome, but I kind of lost the hype when she rejected the invitation to join the Ghost Bloods. <laughs> that was a big, big, big blah moment for me. <laughs> Because I was, for real, guys, the interest, the interest dropped so much for me after that. But you know me, I am a Kelsier fan. I stand for the Ghost Bloods, and she was given this awesome opportunity, and her not taking it means that we will not see her anymore in the Cosmere, and her input would be so valuable for the Ghost Bloods. And I disagree with the reasons why she stayed where she stayed, but they felt true for her. So I guess I accept them, sadly. I accept them with sadness. Yeah, that's that's more or less where I am. As a as a person, as a reader, I would have loved to see Marisin, the Ghostbloods, and in the Cosmere. But mm-hmm. that would not have been true to her character. And yeah, I, like yeah, I would have been happy if if that had happened, <laughs> right? Um, but it it's more faithful to her to say. No, I want things out in the open, out in the light, none of this shady business. Um. And eventually we will get characters uh, within the Ghostbloods. I mean, the Elantra sequels are very likely going to be that because our main oh. characters are Kaiyan's children who are both in the Ghostbloods, uh, Kaize and... Oh, we don't know about Dayorn. No, th- uh, the other brother, Aiden. Aiden? Uh, we also Aiden, don't know about him. Thank you. I mean, she does mention him um, in context of, like, the math and the... I mean, it feels like they're still in contact, kind of, unless it's just, um, like, that wish fulfillment of, oh, I wish you were still around so that he could do the math for me. Which is what I think is happening. Like, I think he's dead. Interesting. But, I mean, at least Kaiza, um, K-I's, however you... Oh, my God. However you pronounce it. I pronounce it correctly. Is how I pronounce it. <laughs> there is no correct um, way to pronounce in the Cosmere. Brandon said it. <laughs> except in the one book where there is a pronunciation guide. Pronunciation guide. <laughs> yeah. Oh, come on. I will keep um, saying Rowling. That's because everyone's that. wrong. 
<laughs> That's because I am. I read in Spanish. I read in English, but the names they stick into my brain in Spanish. That's Raúl de Nazarene, you guys. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I'm, but at least at the very least, Ki's is part of the Ghost Bloods, and we're gonna get to see from her maybe how she joined the Ghost Bloods. So we'll get to those POVs at some point yeah. uh, from someone inside the organization. You can follow us and contact us and all our social media links are in the show notes. Uh, join the Discord. It's a ton of fun, particularly lately with all the new content we're getting. And if you enjoy the show, please support us on Patreon and Ko-fi if you can so we can keep improving. And we would really appreciate it if you gave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you listen. Um, thanks for listening and remember, journey before destination. Yes, goodbye. And best wishes for everyone out there and greetings from Ilana as well. Be good. Don't be bad. <laughs>